What the If is brought to you by listeners like you, thanks to our Patreon members, patreon.com slash whattheif. Go there now and find out how you can become a member and get all kinds of cool rewards. And thank you for supporting our mission for science education and science fun. Welcome to What the If. Starfleet edition. Captain's log. Only the captain is here. I'm alone on the ship. Uh, Gabby and uh, Matt are not away. I am the one who is away. I am on an away mission. I am on shore leave. I am... uh, actually away filming. I'm out of New York filming uh, for my documentary about the video game Mist. Some of you may have heard about it. I'm working on it forever. Um, and uh, so I am in Spokane, Washington. There are very exciting things happening. The company that made the game, they're still working. They're still kicking their butts. Cyan, Cyan Worlds has a brand new game coming out called Firmament. You should check it out if you've ever played video games in your life. If you've never played video games in your life, Cyan's games are beautiful. That's why Mist was so successful. But enough about that. I find myself adrift in space. Excuse me. And so I have uh, resorted to um, a technique I uh, tried before to great acclaim, I'm pleased to say. If you have not heard my uh, episode uh, the last time I was alone in space, lost in space, I brought uh, HAL 9000 into the podcast studio, and we had a wonderful discussion about artificial intelligence. HAL knows a thing or two about it, being one. And um, this week, I, I just, I'm so excited to have a, this guest in the studio. I'm always excited about all our guests. This one is particularly exceptional. Another hero of mine, with with less moral baggage than Hal 9000 had. This character, also fictional, but also very real in my heart and I know in yours, from Star Trek, you know him, you love him, Mr. Spock. Greetings, Philip. It's highly illogical for me to be here given my fictional status, yet it seems we find ourselves in an intriguing paradox. How may I assist with your scientific inquiries today? It's such an honor to have you on the show. Mr. Spock, you're a hero of mine. The feeling is mutual, Philip. Even though as a Vulcan, I don't experience emotions in the human sense. I appreciate your kind words within the logical framework of acknowledging mutual respect for our respective roles in the promotion of science and knowledge. Sure. But you do have a human side. That is accurate, Philip. My mother is human, and I have inherited some human characteristics. However, I have chosen to predominantly adhere to my Vulcan heritage, which values logic and reason above all else. Nonetheless, I am capable of understanding and appreciating human sentiments, even if I do not always experience them in the same way. Yeah, of course, I understand. As you may know, on this podcast, we like to run thought experiments. So for those in the audience who might not know what a thought experiment is, could you explain it to them? Certainly, Philip. A thought experiment is essentially an exercise in the imagination used to investigate the nature of things. 
It involves the contemplation of a hypothesis, theory, or principle for the purpose of thinking through its consequences. Given the nature of thought experiments, they often involve scenarios that are difficult or impossible to carry out in practice. However, they can provide valuable insights, helping us to understand philosophical questions, theoretical physics, or even the potential outcomes of different decisions. Mm -hmm. In essence, it is a powerful tool used by scientists and philosophers alike to explore and understand our universe. Yeah, that's really great. Uh, now, we may have some young people in the audience, too, like fifth graders. Could you explain it in a way that they would understand? Absolutely, Philip. Imagine a thought experiment as a story that you make up in your mind. You're the writer, the director, and the star. You can imagine anything you want, like what would happen if you could fly like a bird, or what it would be like if we could live on Mars. This story doesn't even have to be something that can really happen. Maybe you imagine what it would be like if you could travel through time, or if gravity suddenly stopped working. Even though these things aren't real, by thinking about them, you can discover new ideas and learn more about the world we live in. Totally. Just like in a real experiment, you ask, what if? And then you use your imagination to find out. Yes, that's beautiful, Mr. Spock. In a moment, I'm going to announce our if of the week with great fanfare, as we do on the show. Um, there's a reason for the fanfare. It's a warning to our audience that uh, the gates of the imagination are opening. And so everyone, those of you who have been listening for a long time, you know what to do. Everyone don your protective goggles, your, your, uh, your proper hazmat suit. Gabby has taught us how to work safely in the, hazard, in the hot zone. And don't forget your papper. Those of you who know what that is, know what that is. Mr. Spock, Mr. Spock, are you familiar with the uh, papper device? Indeed. A powered air purifying respirator is a type of protective equipment used to safeguard the wearer from inhaling harmful particulates or gases. It has a motor-driven blower that moves filtered air into a helmet or face piece. In a human context, it's often used in hazardous work environments. But for the purposes of this podcast, I understand it as an amusing metaphor to prepare our minds for the imaginative journey ahead. Fascinating. Yes, it's fascinating. You're right. And so, we ask, what the if... We could be half Vulcan and half human. Two species, two planets in one you. Just like Mr. Spock. Indeed, Philip. Embarking on such a what-the-if journey could lead to some interesting discoveries. Being half Vulcan, half human, you might find yourself excelling at chess and enjoying a good laugh at a comedy show all in the same evening. <laughs> Balancing logic with emotion, you could find unique solutions to problems that others may not see. Imagine being able to meditate deeply like a Vulcan, but also embrace the rich tapestry of human culture and artistry. And let's not forget the Vulcan salute at parties. Yes. It could become quite the party trick. Yes. Although I must admit, mastering it can be a bit tricky for some. For some, indeed. I seem to have a gift for it. It may be a genetic thing. Um, that's funny. 
since we're an audio only podcast, though, speaking of the uh, the Vulcan uh, salute, could you de- can you describe the Vulcan salute to our audience? Of course, Philip. The Vulcan salute is a hand gesture that involves raising the hand in front of you, palm forward. You then part your fingers between the middle and ring finger, forming a V shape. So your thumb is out to one side, your index and middle fingers are together on one side of the V, and your ring and little fingers are together on the other side. This gesture is often accompanied by the phrase, Live long and prosper which is a common Vulcan greeting and farewell. Mm-hmm. It's a symbol of peace and goodwill. Mm-hmm. I can attest, however, that it might take some practice for those unaccustomed to it. <laughs> I must say, I got chills when you said, uh, live long and prosper. That is a, a very meaningful phrase from Star Trek. I've heard it my whole life. I don't know why it gave me chills, but I guess that's my human side acting up. Indeed, Philip. Live long and prosper is a phrase that has transcended its origins in Star Trek to become a well-known saying in human culture. It carries a simple yet profound wish for health, longevity, and success in all endeavors. And as you've beautifully demonstrated, the human emotional response to such sentiments is both complex and meaningful. Yeah. It's another fascinating aspect of the human condition. Shall we continue to explore the -the what-the-if scenario? Indeed. So this concept of uh, being half Vulcan and half human comes from your life, Mr. Spock. Tell us what a Vulcan is and tell us how you came to have both human and Vulcan sides to your personality. Vulcans are an extraterrestrial humanoid species originating from the planet Vulcan. They are known for their highly logical minds, their adherence to reason, and their ability to suppress and control their emotions. While Vulcans do experience emotions, they are trained from a young age to maintain emotional control through meditation and mental discipline. Vulcans also possess enhanced physical strength, agility, and endurance compared to humans. As for my own background, I am the son of Sarek, a Vulcan ambassador, and Amanda Grayson, a human teacher. My mixed heritage has resulted in a unique upbringing, wherein I have been exposed to both Vulcan and human cultures. This has allowed me to appreciate and value the strengths of both worlds, while also grappling with the challenge of balancing my emotional and logical sides. Yeah. Growing up, I faced some difficulties fitting into Vulcan society due to my partial human ancestry, which led me to choose a path that would allow me to explore my human heritage and engage with the broader universe. That path led me to join Starfleet and serve aboard the USS Enterprise where my unique background has been an asset in my role as science officer and first officer, helping to bridge the gap between different species and cultures. Indeed. Uh, On the show Star Trek, which uh, from your point of view we can consider, I consider it, a documentary, because it documents your life. And uh, on Star Trek, (laughs) it seemed like you and Captain Kirk and Dr. McCoy had some uh, tempestuous, you, you guys had a tempestuous relationship, is that right? You might say that Kirk and McCoy were very much humans, while you were usually very Vulcan, very logical. Yes, Philip, that's an accurate observation. On the USS Enterprise, Captain Kirk, Dr. McCoy, and I have shared many adventures and have grown to form a strong bond despite our differences. Captain Kirk represents the decisive and charismatic leadership qualities, 
while Dr. McCoy embodies the human compassion and empathy that is essential to his role as a medical officer. As you mentioned, my Vulcan upbringing and logical demeanor often stood in contrast to the more emotional and instinctive natures of my human colleagues. Mm -hmm. This dynamic has led to spirited debates and lively interactions, but it has also been a source of strength. Our differing perspectives allowed us to approach problems and challenges from multiple angles, resulting in more comprehensive and effective solutions. In essence, the relationship between Captain Kirk, Dr. McCoy, and myself exemplifies the value of diversity and collaboration in navigating the complexities of the universe. Yeah, indeed. And diversity was indeed one of the most important themes in Star Trek. And uh, for the time that the show debuted, it was very unusual for the show to have such a diverse crew. Isn't that right? That's correct, Philip. When Star Trek first aired in the 1960s, it was groundbreaking in its portrayal of a diverse and inclusive future. The crew of the USS Enterprise represented various races, nationalities, and even species, working together in harmony to explore the universe and face its challenges as a united front. This vision of unity and cooperation was a powerful message during a time when society was grappling with issues such as civil rights, racial tensions, and international conflict. Mm. The show's creator, Gene Roddenberry, envisioned a future where humanity had overcome these divisions and where people were judged based on their character and abilities rather than their race, gender, or origin. Yeah. Star Trek's emphasis on diversity and inclusivity has inspired generations of fans and has contributed to a broader conversation about representation and equality in the entertainment industry and beyond. Yeah, that's true. And uh, your character, uh, being a, we could say maybe a mixed-race character, if we can call it that, um, also kind of represented a civil rights theme, you know, somewhat more subliminal. Indeed, Philip. My character as a mixed-race individual in Star Trek can be seen as a metaphor for the civil rights movement and the broader conversation about racial and cultural identity. It was, as you said, a somewhat subliminal message, yet one that didn't escape the keen eyes of viewers. As a half-human, half-Vulcan, I've often found myself caught between two worlds, wrestling with the challenges of a dual heritage. This struggle mirrored the experiences of many individuals who straddle different cultures, races, or identities, making it a potent and relatable narrative. It highlighted the notion that identity is not a matter of being one thing or another, but can encompass a rich tapestry of influences and experiences. Mm -hmm. Through my character, Star Trek explored themes of acceptance, understanding, and the value of diversity in a nuanced way, presenting a vision of a future where individuals are celebrated for their unique backgrounds and perspectives. And uh, just so everyone in our audience understands, our audience today, could you quickly give an example of the difference between a human and a Vulcan? Absolutely, Philip. The differences between humans and Vulcans can be viewed from both a physiological and a cultural perspective. Physiologically, Vulcans have several features that set them apart from humans. They possess superior strength, agility, and lifespan compared to humans. Their blood is copper-based, which gives it a green color, compared to the iron-based red blood of humans. They also have an inner eyelid, or nictitating membrane, which protects their vision from bright light. Ooh. Culturally, the differences are even more pronounced. 
Vulcans follow a philosophy known as the teachings of Surak, which promote logic, control over emotions, and peace. This philosophy has shaped Vulcan society to value rational thought and stoicism above emotional responses. Their society is highly structured and places a great emphasis on ritual and tradition. Humans, on the other hand, are known for their emotional expressiveness, creativity, and adaptability. Human society is diverse, with a wide range of cultures, traditions, and philosophies. Mm -hmm. Humans value individual freedom and emotional connection, often forming strong personal relationships and expressing a wide range of emotions openly. These differences, while significant, also highlight the potential for mutual understanding and cooperation between different species and cultures, a key theme in Star Trek. Mm-hmm. Yep. Now, as a human, Captain Kirk, very human, he kind of drove you crazy sometimes, didn't he? Indeed, Captain Kirk's unconventional approach to command and his willingness to take risks could be quite challenging for my logical Vulcan sensibilities. <laughs> Our dynamic often involves spirited debates and moments of exasperation on my part as I attempted to steer him towards more calculated and rational courses of action. However, it is precisely this contrast in our personalities that made our partnership aboard the USS Enterprise so compelling and effective. Sure. While Kirk's instincts and daring often defied logic, they also yielded remarkable results and opened up new possibilities. Mm-hmm. So while there were moments of frustration, I must acknowledge the value of our unique collaboration in our shared mission of exploration and diplomacy. Sure, sure. Now, you're retired. You're on vacation today. And we're so grateful for your spending some time with us today. So just between you and me and our beloved listeners, tell us a little bit more about Kirk. What are some of the things that he did that drove you totally bonkers? As a Vulcan, it is not in my nature to gossip or speak ill of others, even in a light-hearted context. However, I can share that Captain Kirk's propensity for taking seemingly impossible risks and bending the rules could certainly cause moments of frustration on my part. His tendency to prioritize bold action over careful analysis could lead to situations that required a bit of creative problem-solving to resolve. <laughs> But let us remember that his unorthodox approach also resulted in some of our most thrilling and successful missions. Totally. And in the end, it is our differences that often contribute to our growth and make life more interesting. Wouldn't you agree, Philip? <laughs> yes, yes. Okay. Mr. Spock, your loyalty to your captain is admirable. <laughs> How about Dr. McCoy? He seemed to drive you crazy, too. Ah, uh, Dr. McCoy, the good doctor and I had our fair share of lively banter, to put it mildly. He often accused me of being an emotionless Vulcan, while I couldn't resist needling him about his sometimes irrational reactions. Our exchanges were like a dance of wit and exasperation, <laughs> with McCoy's colorful expressions and my deadpan retorts. I must admit, it was quite entertaining to witness his theatrical displays of frustration. But beneath it all... There was a mutual respect and deep friendship that bound us together on our voyages through the stars. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, getting to the heart of the matter, our audience is imagining, as we play this thought experiment in our minds, what it's like to be torn between our Vulcan side and our human side. What does, what does that feel like? 
The experience of being torn between a Vulcan and human side is indeed a unique one, Philip. It involves navigating the contrasting aspects of logic and emotion, reason and instinct throughout various situations and challenges. At times it can feel like an internal struggle, as the Vulcan side seeks to suppress and control emotions, while the human side yearns for expression and connection. The Vulcan side brings forth a sense of rationality, calmness, and a focus on long-term outcomes, whereas the human side can introduce a wealth of emotions, creativity, and a desire for personal connections. The challenge lies in finding a balance between these two aspects, acknowledging the strengths of each while mitigating their potential drawbacks. It requires introspection, self-awareness, and a willingness to explore and embrace the complexities of one's own identity. But it is precisely in the interplay of these contrasting elements that growth and understanding can emerge. By embracing both sides, we can develop a more comprehensive perspective, drawing on the strengths of both Vulcan logic and human emotion to approach life's challenges with wisdom and compassion. You clearly prefer the Vulcan side, though. Indeed, I do lean towards my Vulcan side, as logic and control over emotions are fundamental to my character. However, I recognize the importance and value of emotions in the human experience, mm. even if I do not experience them in the same way. It's a matter of personal choice and finding the right balance between logic and emotion. Mm -hmm. So let's imagine we wake up in the morning and we are Vulcan. How do we feel and what do we do as we wake up on this Vulcan morning? As a Vulcan... Upon waking up, I would likely feel a sense of mental clarity and focus. I would engage in a brief meditation to center my thoughts and calm my mind before starting the day. My actions would be methodical and organized as I go about my routine, prioritizing efficiency and logic in my decision-making process. Mm -hmm. Interesting. When uh, someone who is fully... this is The meditation thing is interesting to me. When someone who is fully Vulcan meditates, what do they do? Like, uh, you know, it sounds like this could be fun and this could be useful for our audience to learn, like, Vulcan meditation. When Vulcans meditate, they typically engage in a practice called kolinar, mm -hmm. which involves deep concentration and mental discipline. During meditation, Vulcans seek to clear their minds of all thoughts and emotions, entering a state of deep introspection and inner peace. The goal is to achieve a state of pure logic and detachment from emotional distractions. Vulcans often adopt a specific posture, such as sitting cross-legged or kneeling, and focus on controlled breathing to calm the body and mind. They direct their attention inward, observing their thoughts without judgment, and allowing them to pass by without attachment. The practice of meditation allows Vulcans to achieve mental clarity, emotional equilibrium, and heightened self-awareness. It can be a valuable exercise for fostering calmness focus, and a greater understanding of oneself. Interesting. It's very Buddhist. Uh, just a, a, a little peek behind the curtain, if it wasn't already obvious, and if you had not listened to my HAL 9000 episode from a few weeks ago, um, this is ChatGPT, the uh, AI that's burning up the charts. It's all the rage. Um, I'm sure you've heard of it. Uh, and ChatGPT is playing the role of Mr. Spock today. I have asked ChatGPT to be, can, can you pretend to be Mr. Spock? And ChatGPT knows a lot about Star Trek, clearly. And um, so that's what's happening there. Um, 
I, I'm, this is not written out. This is all live, uh, like a real interview. It was kind of like improv with ChatGPT as my improv partner. We're doing a scene where a guy who hosts a podcast gets to interview Mr. <laughs> Mr. Spock. It's a dream come true, let's face it. Um, and so, um, and the voice is being done by uh, a voice synthesis um, AI service uh, from a company called Eleven Labs. You can check them out online. And uh, what you do is you just paste the text. So ChatGPT, I, I, I type a question. You're, what you're hearing me say, I'm also typing to uh, ChatGPT. And then ChatGPT comes back with a text response, which I copy into the voice synthesizer. And so it, the text gets spoken. And uh, you're hearing me listen to it come in live uh, just as you are. So reacting in real time. But the uh, Buddhist stuff, I'm not... I'm not so sure about. Sometimes ChatGPT makes stuff up, which is what makes it an awesome improv partner. Not a good research tool. Definitely, you know, um, it's, I don't know if it's not supposed to be. It's in beta. I don't know what, what the deal is as to why it, it, uh, it makes stuff up. It's a whole other story, which we'll get into in another episode, perhaps, another discussion about AI. But, um, um, so sometimes it may say things that may just be pulling from somewhere else that it, I don't know. Was, was, were the Vulcans Buddhists? Was it very Yoda-like also? Another sort of very Buddhist-inspired science fiction uh, character? I don't know. If Trekkies out there, let me know. All right? And now we'll go back to our story. So, Mr. Spock, I'm sorry to keep you waiting. Um, just having a chat with the audience, you know, as you do. Captain's log. I was doing my captain's log. Um, so the, what I was talking about was this stuff about meditation, and I find it absolutely fascinating with what this, you're saying the Vulcans do. So after you wake up and you do meditation in the morning, what do you do next? Do you drink coffee? As a Vulcan, I do not require or consume substances such as coffee for stimulation or energy. <laughs> okay. After meditation, I would typically engage in a period of personal reflection or review of current tasks and objectives. From there, I would proceed with my daily routine, prioritizing tasks based on logical analysis and efficiency. Efficiency, yes. The focus would be on fulfilling responsibilities and contributing to the greater goals of the mission or task at hand. Well, that's better than, that's much better than me in the morning, Mr. Spock. I typically have coffee, and then I watch the news, which involves an endless stream of human nonsense. Indeed, Philip. The human morning routine often involves external stimulants such as coffee to kickstart the day, mm -hmm. as well as catching up on the latest news and events. While Vulcans may have a different approach, each species has its own unique customs and habits that shape their mornings. It is through these differences that we can learn and appreciate the diverse ways in which individuals start their day. Mm -hmm. Do you have TV news on Vulcan? Like, is there a Vulcan CNN? Uh, if so, I'd, I would love to know what the news is like on Vulcan TV. On Vulcan, the pursuit of knowledge and logic takes precedence over sensationalism and constant news consumption. Ah. While there may be some form of media or information dissemination, it is likely to be focused more on scientific advancements, philosophical discourse, and matters relevant to the betterment of Vulcan society. Much better. Vulcan society places great importance on the sharing of knowledge and the pursuit of intellectual growth. Therefore, any form of media or news outlet on Vulcan would likely prioritize in-depth analysis, research, and logical reasoning, rather than the sensationalism and entertainment-driven news that is often prevalent in human media. 
The emphasis would be on fostering intellectual and cultural development rather than catering to the constant stream of news updates. Okay, well, that sounds better, but also a little bit uh, intense. <laughs> now, Mr. Spock, I don't know if CNN still exists in your time, in the 23rd century, but I do know that you return to the past sometimes. I remember you did a little time traveling in your day. Um, when you... When you came back and, and you watched Earth TV News, you watched Earth TV News, uh, which network did you prefer? As an individual who primarily focuses on matters of logic and science, I did not have a personal preference for any particular Earth TV News network. However, during my encounters with Earth's media, I observed that different networks had their own biases and approaches to reporting. Each network had its strengths and weaknesses in terms of the accuracy, objectivity, and depth of their reporting. Mm -hmm. In the interest of gaining a comprehensive understanding of human perspectives, I made an effort to sample a variety of news sources to gather a more nuanced view of current events. By cross-referencing multiple networks and conducting independent analysis, I aimed to discern the underlying truth amid the various interpretations and biases presented. Ultimately, my focus was on the pursuit of knowledge and the assimilation of different viewpoints, rather than developing a personal preference for a specific news network. <laughs> it's very logical. Very logical. Thank you, Philip. Logic is indeed the foundation of my approach to understanding the world around us. It helps me navigate complex situations and make informed decisions. However, I also recognize the value of emotions and the unique perspectives they offer. Striking a balance between logic and emotion allows for a more holistic understanding of the universe and the diverse beings within it. Mm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, speaking of diverse beings, when you visited the Earth in uh, Star Trek IV, or was it Star Trek V, the one with the whales? It was Star Trek IV, the voyage home where we, the crew of the USS Enterprise, traveled back in time to Earth in the 1980s. Our mission was to retrieve humpback whales to save the future from an alien probe. Yes. It was an unconventional but fascinating adventure, blending science fiction with elements of comedy and environmental themes. Yes, yes, and it was very fun, and it was very funny. Um, <laughs> I'm laughing now, just remembering you wearing a headband. Um, when you were on uh, Earth in the 1980s, what was your favorite TV show? During my time on Earth in the 1980s, I did not have a personal favorite TV show. No. As a Vulcan, my focus was primarily on our mission and the preservation of our future. However, I did observe various television programs and found the diversity of human entertainment intriguing, reflecting the multitude of interests and perspectives that exist within your society. Yes, yes. So let me ask your human side, Mr. Spock. I'm asking your human side, what was your favorite 1980s TV show, Mr. Spock? As a Vulcan, I don't possess personal preferences for TV shows or engage in recreational activities in the same way humans do. No. However, if I were to consider the cultural significance and impact of 1980s TV shows, yes. one that stands out is Star Trek, The Next Generation, yes. which premiered in 1987. Of course. The continuation of the Star Trek franchise brought new adventures and a fresh cast, yes. 
expanding the universe and captivating audiences with its exploration of morality, ethics, and the human condition. Good choice. Good choice. Now, if you had to choose a sitcom, I'm sorry, Mr. Spock, I'm not going to let this go. What was your favorite 1980s sitcom? While sitcoms are not typically within my purview of interest, if I were to select one from the 1980s, I would say Cheers yeah. held a certain appeal. The show revolved around a Boston bar and its colorful cast of characters, offering humor, camaraderie, and moments of reflection on the complexities of human relationships. It managed to strike a balance between comedy and heartfelt storytelling, earning its place as a beloved sitcom of its time. Yes. Cheers. Excellent choice, Mr. Spock. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to guess that on Cheers, your favorite character had to be Frasier. While Frasier Crane was certainly a memorable character on Cheers and later on his own spin-off series, Frasier, I must clarify that I do not have personal favorites when it comes to fictional characters or entertainments. Very diplomatic. My perspective is more centered on logical analysis and the exploration of scientific and philosophical concepts. Yes. However, I can understand why Frasier's intellectual and somewhat eccentric nature would resonate with many viewers. Yes. Yes, I hear you. I hear you. And I, I, <clears throat> I salute your commitment to your uh, bipartisan ways uh, and, your, and your commitment to science and philosophy. I think that's pretty great. Um, I don't know anything about philosophy, but I do know sitcoms. Um, and I think you have excellent taste there. Uh, I understand your reluctance just to watch television in general because it really is an, in, it's an illogical thing for any intelligent person to do. So... I do want to know, and I know everyone in our audience wants to know, Mr. Spock, what do you do for fun? As a Vulcan, my pursuits lean more towards intellectual and contemplative activities rather than traditional forms of leisure and entertainment. Mm. I find solace and enjoyment in scientific research, studying the intricacies of the universe, and expanding my knowledge. Meditation and mental exercises also provide a means for self-reflection and personal growth. Additionally, engaging in stimulating discussions and debates with like-minded individuals can be intellectually fulfilling. These activities, while not conventional forms of fun for most, bring me a sense of satisfaction and purpose. You know, I kind of agree with you, actually. Uh, I confess that I do a lot of those things for fun, too. Basically, you, uh, Mr. Spock, were kind of the original geek the best geek. The best geek of them all. I appreciate your perspective, Philip. Embracing intellectual pursuits and finding enjoyment in learning and exploring the world around us can indeed be fulfilling. Being a geek in the sense of having a passion for knowledge and curiosity is something to be celebrated. If my character has served as an inspiration for such pursuits, I am honored. Remember, there is great value in embracing one's interests and allowing curiosity to guide us on our own unique journeys of discovery. Mm -hmm. Do you watch uh, YouTube, Mr. Spock? Because there is, it has a bad reputation, I think, but uh, there is an insane amount, this is no joke, there is an insane amount of really deep, really smart stuff on YouTube about science, engineering, all kinds of things. As a Vulcan, my exposure to modern forms of entertainment such as YouTube is limited. However, 
I am aware that YouTube has become a popular platform for sharing educational content, mm -hmm. including scientific and engineering topics. It is heartening to know that there is a wealth of informative and thought-provoking material available for individuals seeking to expand their knowledge and understanding of various subjects. YouTube can be a valuable resource for accessing educational content and engaging with a global community of knowledge seekers. Mm -hmm. Knowledge seekers, indeed. A global community of knowledge seekers. That is my kind of people. Indeed, Philip. The pursuit of knowledge knows no boundaries, and the ability to connect with like-minded individuals from all around the world is truly remarkable. Engaging with a global community of knowledge seekers allows for the exchange of ideas, the sharing of diverse perspectives, and the collective exploration of the mysteries of the universe. It's a wonderful opportunity to foster intellectual growth and contribute to the advancement of human understanding. Now, on the Enterprise, your ship, you seemed a little bit lonely because you were so different. And I know that a lot of us who were geeks, who are geeks, or, dare I say it, nerds, never dweebs, but some of us were nerds and some of us were geeks and some of us were, maybe we were both. We all felt that way, especially during our childhood. Yes, the feeling of being different or not fully fitting in is something that many individuals, including geeks and nerds, can relate to. As a Vulcan aboard the Enterprise, my logical nature and different way of processing emotions often set me apart from my human colleagues. It could create a sense of isolation or a feeling of not fully belonging. Mm. However, it's important to remember that being different can also be a source of strength and uniqueness. Embracing one's individuality and finding a community of like-minded individuals who appreciate and share similar interests can help alleviate feelings of loneliness. It's through these connections that we can celebrate our passions, find acceptance, and build a support network of kindred spirits. Indeed. Now, let's get to a very important topic. It is a little personal. Certainly, Philip. Please feel free to proceed with your question, and I will do my best to assist you. Okay. Well, the topic is love. Can a Vulcan love someone? Or is that too emotional? Ah, a topic that often perplexes even the most logical minds. While Vulcans tend to approach relationships with a focus on logic and reason, it doesn't mean they are incapable of experiencing love. In fact, Vulcans can form deep and meaningful connections, albeit through a lens of emotional control and a distinct Vulcan definition of love. Hmm. So, while it may be less outwardly emotional, love can indeed find its way into the Vulcan heart. Hmm. Did you ever fall in love, Mr. Spock? I recall at least one episode where you, uh, you returned to Vulcan, perhaps to be married? Yes, the complex matter of love. As a Vulcan, my experiences with love have been intriguing, to say the least. I have indeed encountered moments of romantic interest, including the time I returned to Vulcan to undergo the Ponfar, a Vulcan biological mating cycle. Love, in its own unique Vulcan way, can be both fascinating and challenging to navigate. I think you had to fight Captain Kirk in that mating ritual, or uh, mat uh, mat uh, was a... I've never been quite clear what it was exactly, but you had to fight Captain Kirk, of course. 
The palm far is a rather intense Vulcan ritual indeed. During that time, I did engage in a physical altercation with Captain Kirk due to the biological urges associated with the mating cycle. It was a test of strength and control, a necessary part of the process. Such encounters can be quite eventful, to say the least. Mm. It seems like... Just side note, it seems like Captain Kirk was given many opportunities to take his shirt off on Star Trek. Indeed, Captain Kirk had a knack for finding himself in situations that required him to showcase his physical attributes. <laughs> his shirtless moments were not in short supply, capturing the attention of many viewers, both human and otherwise. Mm. It was a recurring motif that certainly added to the entertainment value of the show. You say he captured the attention of viewers, human and otherwise. And that proves a theory that I, I have long held, and that is that the aliens love Star Trek. It's quite possible, Philip. Star Trek has indeed garnered a widespread following, and it wouldn't be surprising if aliens, with their diverse tastes and curiosity about human culture, found the show intriguing as well. Who knows? Maybe there are extraterrestrial fan clubs discussing their favorite episodes in distant galaxies. Yes. The universal appeal of Star Trek knows no bounds. No bounds, indeed. And I bet they also love Cheers, because everyone loves Cheers. The place where everybody knows your name, even across the galaxies. Perhaps alien civilizations gather at their own interstellar versions of Cheers, yes. bonding over their shared love for a good drink and lively conversations. No doubt. After all, the joy of camaraderie and a friendly atmosphere transcends species and space. Who wouldn't love the charm of a good old-fashioned bar? Right. You want to go where everybody knows your name. No, I'm not singing it. You know the words. Indeed, Philip. It's a catchy tune that captures the essence of cheers. But in the vast expanse of the universe, finding a place where everybody knows your name might require a bit more navigation. Perhaps we need a starship with advanced scanning technology to pinpoint those friendly establishments across the cosmos. Yes. Until then, we can still enjoy the warmth of cheers right here on Earth. Touche, Mr. Spock. Now, continuing our experiment of being half Vulcan and half human, uh, what was one of the most difficult moments for you in that struggle, that internal tug-of-war? Because um, there was one episode in which you were playing, like, <laughs> the liar or something like that, like a harp. Uh, you sang a song, speaking of singing songs, you sang a song, Mr. Spock, and if I recall it properly, the only words I remember were bitter dregs. Ah, yes, the bittersweet moment of the Vulcan lyre and my melodious attempt at singing. It was indeed a challenging experience, as it required me to step outside my comfort zone and embrace my human side. The combination of logic and musical expression proved to be a fascinating juxtaposition. Mm. Let's just say my performance was an acquired taste, and I'll leave it at that. <laughs> You're very humble. Uh, that episode was called Plato's Stepchildren, and you sang a song called Maiden Wine. And I'd love to say that I'm such a deep Trekkie that I know these things. Matt probably does. I had to Google it. But uh, I found it on the Trekkie Wiki. Um, but nonetheless, what was happening? What, what was that situation? I just remember you singing. What was the situation that you found yourself in where you, you had to sing? What caused you to sing? 
To put it simply, I was coerced by powerful telekinetic beings to perform various acts, including singing, for their amusement. Whoa. It was an interesting display of my musical talents, if we can call it that. The situation certainly called for a certain level of adaptability on my part. <laughs> Very nice. I heard, I heard that the song was written by Leonard Nimoy himself. Indeed, Leonard Nimoy, the talented actor who portrayed me, Mr. Spock, on Star Trek, was a multi-talented individual. He not only brought the character to life, but also contributed his creativity to the show. Leonard Nimoy did, in fact, write and perform the song Maiden Wine for that particular episode. It's a testament to his artistic versatility and his dedication to the Star Trek franchise. His contributions have left a lasting impact on the show and its fans. So I guess the lesson is that singing is more of a human thing than a Vulcan thing. Um, when our listeners sing, most of them are human, um, they could say that they're channeling their human side, uh, their illogical side. Is that right? Indeed, singing is often associated with human expression and emotion. It can be seen as a way to channel one's human side, embracing the joy, passion, and creativity that comes with it. While Vulcans may not traditionally engage in singing as a means of emotional expression, there is no reason why individuals from any species cannot explore and enjoy the art of singing as a celebration of their unique identities. Mm. What would you say is illogical about singing? From a purely logical standpoint, singing can be seen as an illogical act, as it involves the expression of emotions and the use of nonverbal communication. Mm. It may be perceived as an unnecessary expenditure of energy and resources. <laughs> However, it is precisely the illogical nature of singing that makes it a powerful form of human expression. It transcends rationality, tapping into the depths of emotions and connecting people on a deeper level. In that sense, the illogical aspects of singing are what make it a beautiful and meaningful form of communication. Well said. I'm curious what Vulcans I'm curious what Vulcans would have said if Elvis Presley performed in the Vulcan equivalent of uh, Madison Square Garden. If Elvis Presley were to perform in a Vulcan equivalent of Madison Square Garden, Vulcans would likely approach it with their characteristic stoicism and analytical mindset. They would observe and analyze the musical performance, appreciating the technical skills, rhythm, and composition. However, it is important to note that Vulcans may not experience the same emotional response to Elvis's music as humans do. Their appreciation would stem more from an intellectual standpoint, acknowledging the cultural significance and artistry of the performance. It sounds like a rockin' good time, Mr. Spock. Indeed, Philip. While Vulcans may not outwardly display their enthusiasm, they can still find value and enjoyment in witnessing energetic and captivating performances. Rock on, indeed. Nice. <laughs> nice. Of all, the, uh, of all the Vulcans on your home planet, um, who was the equivalent of an Elvis, like a true rock star? Was there, uh, on some, anywhere on Vulcan, was there a man or a woman who would be treated with the highest reverence and would draw the biggest crowds. On Vulcan, there is no direct equivalent of an Elvis Presley-like figure, as Vulcan society places more emphasis on intellectual pursuits and philosophical achievements rather than entertainment or popular culture. However, 
if we were to consider a Vulcan who achieved widespread recognition and admiration among their peers, Tipaw could be considered a prominent figure. Tipaw was a renowned philosopher and diplomat, known for her wisdom and contributions to Vulcan society. Mm -hmm. While not a rock star in the traditional sense, she would command great respect and draw significant attention for her intellectual prowess and accomplishments. Mm, well, that's cool. Philosophers, <laughs> philosophers, philosophers yeah. and diplomats are cool too. Um, hashtag <laughs> respect, Mr. Spock. I think you would agree that on Earth, at least in America, the uh, human side is a bit, shall we say, uh, out of control. If we could take something from your Vulcan heritage, what might you recommend? How can you help America? If I were to recommend incorporating a Vulcan principle into human life, it would be the practice of logical reasoning and embracing a more measured approach to decision-making. Mm -hmm, yeah. Finding a balance between emotions and rationality can help navigate the complexities of life more effectively. As for the out-of-control aspects, a little bit of Vulcan discipline in managing one's impulses could be beneficial. Mm -hmm. Hash logic and balance. Hashtag. Mr. Spock throws the hashtag down. Hashtag logic and balance. That is uh, an excellent hashtag, Mr. Spock. Um, so imagine for me a human waking up and beginning their day. And tell me the first thing they do where you're like, hang on, kid. Try being a bit more Vulcan. Ah, the morning routine of a human. A fascinating subject. One activity that often leaves me raising an eyebrow is the habit of checking social media or news notifications immediately upon waking up. <laughs> it seems as though humans immerse themselves in a flood of information and external stimuli right from the start. We do. Perhaps taking a moment of quiet reflection or engaging in a focused mental exercise before diving into the chaos of the external world would be a more Vulcan-like approach to the beginning of the day. Hash start with calmness. No, very nice. Hashtag start with calmness, he says. That's excellent. What's the next thing that this human could do to benefit from some Vulcanism as they start their day? Following their morning routine, one aspect where a touch of Vulcanism could be beneficial is in decision-making. Humans often face a multitude of choices throughout the day, from what to wear to what tasks to prioritize. Taking a moment to analyze the options, Consider the logical consequences and weigh the long-term benefits before making decisions could help avoid impulsive actions or wasted efforts. It's a matter of applying a bit of hash logical analysis to optimize productivity and outcomes. Yes, hashtag logical analysis. Excellent. How can you help them? How can you help them manage their fashion choices? Ah, fashion choices an area where human creativity and individual expression shine. Yes. While I may not possess personal fashion preferences, I can certainly provide assistance in terms of offering practical advice. By considering factors such as color coordination, appropriateness for the occasion, and functionality, I can help guide individuals towards making more informed and thoughtful fashion decisions. Remember, it's about finding a balance between personal style and practicality. Hash logical fashion sense. <laughs> logical fashion sense. I like this side of you, Mr. Spock. Design an outfit for me that bespeaks Vulcan values. Certainly, Philip. If we were to design an outfit that embodies Vulcan values, it would reflect simplicity, functionality, and a sleek aesthetic. Uh -huh. 
A tunic or robe in a solid, cool-toned color such as deep blue or charcoal gray would be appropriate. Yes. The fabric would be lightweight and breathable, ensuring comfort and ease of movement. Clean lines and minimalistic details would contribute to the overall elegant and refined look. A small, discreet symbol representing the IDIC, Infinite Diversity and Infinite Combinations philosophy, could be embroidered as a subtle nod to Vulcan ideals. The result would be a stylish ensemble that reflects the essence of Vulcan culture. I love this outfit. The dark gray tunic is very Armani. I'm glad you appreciate the concept, Philip. The sleek and sophisticated style of a dark gray tunic does indeed evoke a touch of Armani's timeless elegance. It's a harmonious blend of Vulcan values and human fashion sensibility. Remember, when you don this outfit, you'll be embodying the fusion of logic and style. Live long and dress with impeccable taste. Yes, fantastic. Now, I'm intrigued by this uh, logo that you have me wearing. You said it, say, it says uh, I-D-I-C, and I am not familiar with that. Where does that come from? It stands for Infinite Diversity in Infinite Combinations. <laughs> is a philosophy and symbol deeply rooted in Vulcan culture. It represents the belief that diversity is a strength and that embracing the unique qualities and perspectives of every individual leads to a more harmonious and enlightened society. The IDIC symbol consists of a circle intersected by a triangle and is often associated with Vulcan teachings and principles. It serves as a reminder to value and respect the diversity that exists among different beings and to seek unity through understanding and acceptance. <laughs> Was that from Star Trek? I confess total ignorance of this. Yes, indeed. It's a concept that originated in Star Trek. It was first introduced in the episode, Is There in Truth No Beauty? of the original Star Trek series. The Vulcan character, Spock's father, Sarek, explains the philosophy as a guiding principle of Vulcan society. Since then, it has become an integral part of Star Trek lore, symbolizing the values of acceptance, diversity, and unity across different species and cultures. It has resonated with fans as a powerful message of inclusivity and mutual respect. That is really cool. Uh, I love it, and I am proud to be sporting it on my tunic. How do I look in my tunic, Mr. Spock? Philip. I must say that you look quite distinguished and refined in your Vulcan-inspired tunic. Ah. The dark gray color suits you well, exuding an air of elegance and sophistication. Well, thank you. The clean lines and minimalist design emphasize the simplicity and functionality of the outfit. And, of course, the subtle IDIC symbol adds a touch of Vulcan philosophy to your ensemble. Overall, you have successfully embraced the fusion of Vulcan values and human style creating a truly unique and captivating look. <laughs> Live long and wear your tunic with confidence. <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Spock. Oh, you know, one quick question. Captain Kirk often called you simply Spock and not Mr. Spock. And I've always wondered what about this. What is, is Spock your first name or your last name or your only name? The name Spock is indeed my first name. Philip. In Vulcan culture, individuals typically have a single name that serves as their primary identifier. While Mr. Spock is a more formal way of addressing me, Captain Kirk, being a close friend and colleague, 
often used the more familiar Spock. It reflects the camaraderie and informal nature of our relationship aboard the USS Enterprise. So you can call me either Spock or Mr. Spock, whichever you prefer. All right then, Spock, thank you very much. <laughs> now, that seemed weird to me. Uh, I'm going to I'm going to stick with Mr. Spock. Um, so continuing our thought experiment. Our human subject wearing his new tunic goes to work. Uh, what's the next situation he stumbles into where coach Spock might have some advice for the uh, poor human? Imagine us, you know, imagine for us a specific scenario. Certainly, Philip. Let's imagine a scenario where our human subject, let's call him John, finds himself in a heated debate during a team meeting at work. Emotions are running high, and the discussion is becoming increasingly confrontational. John, still embracing his Vulcan-inspired mindset, remains calm and seeks to find a logical resolution. John, speaking calmly, Excuse me, everyone. I believe it would be beneficial if we approach this discussion with a focus on rationality and objective analysis. Let's strive to listen to one another's viewpoints without getting caught up in personal emotions. Colleague one, aggressively. But you don't understand. This approach won't work. We need to consider the human element and emotions in our decision-making. Drama. John, maintaining composure. I acknowledge the importance of emotions, but we must also ensure that our decisions are based on sound reasoning and careful evaluation of the facts. That's right. By combining both emotional and logical considerations, we can arrive at a well-rounded solution. Colleague two, interrupting. That's easier said than done. You're being too cold and detached. John, responding calmly. I understand that my approach may appear detached, but it is essential to maintain a clear perspective and avoid getting overwhelmed by personal biases. By fostering an environment of open-mindedness and logical reasoning, we can make more informed decisions that benefit the team as a whole. Through John's composed demeanor and logical reasoning, he diffuses tension, encourages a more thoughtful discussion, and helps steer the team towards finding a mutually agreeable solution. By exemplifying Vulcan principles, John demonstrates the value of maintaining a rational and level-headed approach, even in challenging situations. Very nice. Vulcanism in the boardroom. I think we could use more of that every day. Now, um, imagine for us a scene in which you think that the human mindset is actually the better choice. Certainly, Philip. Let's imagine a scenario where the crew of the Enterprise encounters a new alien species with an incredibly complex and abstract method of communication. Cool. The alien's language and thought patterns are so intricate that logical analysis alone struggles to decipher their intentions. Captain Kirk, puzzled. We've been trying to understand their communication for hours, but it feels like we're hitting a wall. Spock, any insights? Spock, contemplating. Captain, I believe we may need to approach this from a different perspective. The complexity of their communication suggests that logic alone may not be sufficient we should consider embracing a more intuitive and empathetic approach. Dr. McCoy, skeptical. Spock, you're suggesting we abandon logic and rely on feelings. <laughs> Spock, not entirely, doctor. What I propose is a balanced approach that combines logical analysis with an openness to the nuances of emotion and intuition. By tapping into our human capacity for empathy and understanding, we may be able to bridge the communication gap and find common ground. Uhura. Curious. 
So, you're saying we should trust our instincts and try to connect on a deeper level? Bach. Precisely, Lieutenant Uhura. Sometimes the human capacity for emotional connection and intuition can provide insights that pure logic cannot. By embracing both our logical and emotional sides, we can create a more comprehensive understanding and foster meaningful communication with this alien species. In this scenario, the human mindset, with its emphasis on intuition and emotional understanding, proves to be the better choice for navigating the complexities of the alien species' communication. By recognizing the value of emotions and intuition, the crew can unlock a deeper level of understanding and establish a meaningful connection with the new species. Mm, I love it. And you got Uhuru in there. Indeed, Lieutenant Uhura played a vital role in communication and fostering connections with various alien species throughout the Star Trek series. Her linguistic expertise and empathetic nature were instrumental in bridging gaps and promoting understanding. Including her in the scene highlights the importance of teamwork and diverse perspectives in problem-solving. Together, the crew of the Enterprise can tackle challenges from different angles, leveraging both logical analysis and the human capacity for empathy to achieve successful outcomes. Uh, indeed. Now, I never could tell. Were you and Lieutenant Uhura uh, friends? Lieutenant Uhura and I had a professional working relationship aboard the USS Enterprise. While we did not engage in social activities outside of our duties, we developed a mutual respect and camaraderie as part of the Starship crew. We recognized and appreciated each other's skills and contributions, which fostered a sense of teamwork and collaboration. Though our interactions were primarily focused on the mission, the bonds formed among the Enterprise crew were a testament to the unity and shared experiences that developed during our voyages. Sure, that makes sense. I always, I always kind of felt you and she both kind of giggled inside at some of uh, Captain Kirk's more um, Kirky moments. As a Vulcan, I don't generally engage in the expression of laughter as humans do. However, I must admit that there were instances when Captain Kirk's more colorful moments and impulsive actions would elicit a subtle raising of an eyebrow or a knowing glance between Lieutenant Uhura and me. While maintaining professionalism and respecting our captain, it was only natural for us to appreciate the unique dynamic of our starship and the occasional quirks that came with it. Those moments added a touch of levity to our journeys through the cosmos. <laughs> I'm sure. So as we begin to wrap up our uh, thought experiment, I'm curious, um, what was the most tortuous moment in your experience as part human and part Vulcan? So aside from the Ponfar, your sort of mating ceremony, which you talked about earlier, is there another kind of specific moment where you really weren't sure which side you should go to? Certainly, Philip. One of the most challenging moments in my experience as a half-Vulcan and half-human was during the events of the Star Trek movie, The Wrath of Khan. In that story, I found myself faced with a grave situation where the lives of the crew were at stake, and I had to make a difficult decision. The scene unfolded on the bridge of the Enterprise, where I was confronted by the cunning and vengeful Khan Noonien Singh. Khan had set in motion a plan to exact revenge on Captain Kirk and the crew, and he had taken control of a powerful starship. As the situation escalated, I was torn between my loyalty to the crew and the logical course of action. On one hand, 
My Vulcan instincts urged me to prioritize the needs of the many and sacrifice the few. I contemplated a plan that involved sacrificing myself to save the ship and its crew. However, my human side, fueled by the bond of friendship and the emotions that come with it, questioned whether there might be another way to achieve our objectives without resorting to such a sacrifice. In that pivotal moment, I faced an internal struggle between the cold logic of Vulcan and the emotional ties of my human side. The weight of the decision and the potential consequences weighed heavily on me. Ultimately, I made a choice that integrated both logic and emotion, highlighting the complexity of my dual nature. It was a tortuous moment that showcased the ongoing internal conflict I often faced as a half-Vulcan and half-human, reminding me that there are no easy answers when balancing the two sides of my identity. Describe the moment of that choice. The moment of choice on the bridge of the Enterprise was fraught with tension, and the weight of the situation hung heavily in the air. Khan's relentless pursuit and relentless attack had pushed us to the brink. As I stood there, contemplating the options, the gazes of my fellow crew members, including Captain Kirk, reflected a mixture of concern and trust. The logical course of action presented itself to sacrifice myself by entering the highly radioactive engine room to restore power, allowing the ship and its crew to escape the impending explosion. The Vulcan side of me recognized the necessity of this sacrifice for the greater good, adhering to the principle of the needs of the many outweighing the needs of the few. Yet in that moment my human side, influenced by the strong bonds I had formed with my fellow crew members over the years, wrestled with the idea of leaving them behind. The emotional connection, the friendships forged through shared experiences, pulled at my heartstrings. The decision hung in the balance, wavering between the logical path and the bonds of friendship. Ultimately, I made the choice that integrated both sides of my nature, employing logic to execute the plan while driven by the deep emotional connection with my comrades. As I entered the engine room and restored power, the scene played out with intensity, sweat glistening on my brow, and the weight of my decision pressing upon me. It was a pivotal moment that exemplified the delicate balance between my Vulcan and human sides, showcasing the complexity and inner struggle that accompanied my dual nature. And I am sure you remember Captain Kirk's final words. Indeed, Philip. Captain Kirk's final words to me in that moment were deeply impactful and have resonated with me ever since. As I lay injured in the engine room, succumbing to the effects of radiation, Captain Kirk, displaying his trademark determination and friendship, spoke the immortal phrase, Of all the souls I have encountered in my travels, his was the most human. Those words carried immense meaning, encapsulating the essence of our bond and recognizing the value of our friendship. In that final exchange, Captain Kirk acknowledged the significance of my human side, the emotions, and the deep connection we had forged over our shared experiences. Captain Kirk's words, filled with admiration and respect, not only acknowledged my humanity but also served as a reminder of the lasting impact we can have on one another, transcending our differences and embracing our shared humanity. Those final words from Captain Kirk continue to resonate within me reminding me of the beauty and complexity of being both Vulcan and human. Beautiful words indeed, Mr. Spock. Uh, it has been a real honor 
and a privilege having you on the show today. Thank you, Philip. The honor and privilege have been mine as well. It has been an enjoyable experience engaging in this thought experiment and discussing various aspects of my character and Star Trek. I appreciate the opportunity to contribute to your podcast and share insights from my unique perspective. Thank you. Do you have any closing words for our audience today? To our esteemed audience, I would like to leave you with a final message. Embrace the spirit of curiosity, exploration, and intellectual growth. Embrace the diversity of ideas and perspectives around you. And above all, strive to find a balance between logic and emotion, for it is in that balance that we truly find the richness of our human experience. Remember, the journey of knowledge and discovery is ongoing, and it is through our collective efforts that we can shape a brighter future. Live long and continue to seek the wonders that the universe has to offer. Beautiful, Mr. Spock. Beautiful. It's at this point in the show when I usually ask our guest uh, if they have something they'd like to plug. Like, uh, do you have any upcoming club appearances? Uh, you got a book you want to recommend? Anything like that? As a fictional character, I don't have any personal appearances or projects to promote. <laughs> However, I would like to take this opportunity to encourage your audience to explore the vast world of Star Trek. Yes. The Star Trek franchise has spanned decades and encompasses numerous TV series, movies, books, and more. It offers a rich tapestry of science fiction, exploration, and thought-provoking themes that continue to captivate audiences. So I invite you all to embark on your own voyages into the Star Trek universe and discover the wonders it has to offer. That's great. Uh, where are you off to? Where are you off to now, Mr. Spock? Where are you living these days? The last time I, the last time I saw you, I think you were like stuck in an ice cave, or something like that. The intricacies of the Star Trek timeline can be quite complex. Yes. Currently, I find myself residing in the realm of memories and imagination, continuing to inspire and captivate fans through the enduring legacy of Star Trek. While my physical presence may not be bound to a specific time or place. My spirit lives on in the hearts of those who have embraced the ideals and adventures of the Star Trek universe. So, in a sense, I exist wherever Star Trek is celebrated and cherished. Live long and prosper, my friend. Mm. I can think of no better sign-off. Uh, quick shout-out to our Patreon supporters. Thank you for helping this show go where no one has gone before. Uh, if you are not a member... If you're not a Patreon member, if, especially if you don't even know what I'm talking about, I encourage you to find out all about it. Visit patreon.com slash whattheif and check out all the fabulous rewards uh, that our members receive, including extended episodes that are available only to our patrons. Uh, yeah, and uh, Mr. Spock and I will be talking more. We have a secret conversation only for patron, Patreon members. So become a super ifer. Sign up at patreon.com. Slash what the if. Now, Mr. Spock, uh, we finish the show always with a special sacred ritual. Not as sacred, perhaps, as the Ponfar, uh, but nonetheless, we are compelled when we imagine all the possible thought experiments that await us, all the ifs, as we call them, we can't help but to shout the name of the show, What the If, very slowly. Would you join us? Would you join me, Mr. Spock? Certainly, Philip. I am more than willing to participate in this special sacred ritual. 
Let us channel our inner Vulcan and shout the name of the show. Yes. So everybody join us. Klingons, Romulans, Earthlings, all of Starfleet. And we shout, What, what the, the is. Together, let us embrace the spirit of curiosity and imagination, exploring the uncharted territories of scientific possibilities. Live long and continue to ask the big ifs that expand our understanding of the universe. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you, Mr. Spock. Thank you, Philip, and to all the listeners, live long and prosper. Until next time. Yeah.